0: All right, well, let me extend my good morning to you all as well. Good morning. My name is Paco, and uh, keeping on the, the youth representation, I am the high school pastor. And uh, Bella, you're right, there are some good-looking faces out there. So thanks for, thanks for showing your face this morning. So we're continuing our series, and I want to start uh, with a story about how I got started in ministry. When I was 20 years old, I got my first internship at a local church uh, with the middle school ministry. And at the time, I didn't see myself as somebody walking into ministry vocationally. I didn't see myself as, as having that path or that calling. I thought it would simply be a, a fun, maybe interesting job while I was in college. Plus, I was actually terrified and public speaking was my nightmare. And... Uh, I had this nervous habit of uh, we had wired microphones and we'd be using them and I'd be roll- I, I wouldn't even know I'd be rolling it up and it would run out of out of cord and pull itself out so it made me even more nervous and so thank the Lord that we have wireless microphones here at PBC anyhow but over the course of that year God began to mold me and shape me and change my heart He made me maybe a little bit more okay with public speaking even. And I enjoyed myself, my time so much. I enjoyed pouring into the lives of students so much that I began to discern or question or, or ask, is this something God is calling me to do? Is this something he would have me do vocationally? I, I told my the middle school pastor at the time that I had been wrestling with and thinking through this. I, I took a gap year to really figure out and discern, is this what God is calling me to do? And I began more intentional training with the pastor's. And it started, and it went great. And it was fun, and I was learning a whole lot, and I felt like this maybe is going to work out until the funding for the internship program was dropped. And I remember feeling confused, a little bit angry, and then feeling like, okay, God, maybe this is you telling me this is not for me. I am not to go into vocational ministry. He's closing this door. Perhaps he's going to show me which one to walk through. Next, I remember the last night of my paid internship. It was the end of the summer. We pulled all of our middle school students together on this back grass field, we had a bonfire and they sort of started sharing stories about how their faith had grown over the summer. And I heard story after story after story. And some of those I was even involved in, and I was so overcome by them that God would use me in the lives of these students. And, and I was so overcome with this feeling of this is for me. This is what I need to do. This is the calling that I need to pursue. And you know what? Even if I have to do it for free. So I told my middle school pastor that, hey, I'm going to do this for free. I picked up another job. And uh, for about six months, I tried to keep as many hours as I could serving the youth ministry there. And six months later... Um, they brought me back on as a youth director. Fast forward about four and a half, five years from there, at the same church, I became the college pastor. And but I found myself in a little bit different of a spot. Like I felt like God was really grooming and shaping me. But then I reached a point where honestly I was burnt out. I was tired. I was questioning my calling and my gifting. Is this even for me anymore? That was. 2014, and I remember sitting across from a friend, a new friend named Matt, and telling him how I was feeling and processing with him. I think perhaps some of you are able to guess how this story ends, or at least what the next step of the story is. However, we're going to take a uh, pause here with that story and jump into the other stories from a passage this morning. Today, we're going to be looking at the stories of three characters, which come in Hebrews 11, the first three called out. They come chronologically before Abraham, and um, we'll look briefly at them, at Abel, at Enoch, Noah, who, like us, lived in a fallen world, and yet they had faith, and they found nearness to God. They found nearness to God. And my hope is that as we unpack these stories, as we look at them very briefly, that, that they don't just stay their stories, but they inspire our own stories. They inspire our own journey. Again, our text is in Hebrews chapter 11 verses 4 to 7, and I'm going to start with verse number 6. Why? Because I think it gives us a a framework and a lens for understanding many of the stories that we're going to hear throughout Hebrews chapter 11. So starting in verse 6, it says this, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. The, the writer of Hebrews says it is impossible to please God without faith. It is impossible to please God without faith. Not that it's really hard to, to please God without faith. Not that it's, it's that you have to do a lot of extra things to please God. Not that you have to give enough or, or look a certain way, but that it's impossible to please God without faith. Now, for some of us, that may sound reassuring. Maybe faith is something that comes natural to you. Maybe there's a faith that you've had since a child that you've carried on your whole life and that that is easy for you. But for maybe for some of us, you're still on that journey. Maybe for some of us, faith and trust comes really hard to you. I think the reassuring thing for all of us is that the writer describes this faith that pleases God. And it's a lot simpler than we may think. He says this first, it is this: believing that God exists, that there is a God, that He is the creator of uh, creator and author of life, and two, that He is the rewarder of those who seek Him. These are the two aspects or the two fundamentals of faith that are given here in Hebrew. So faith, a person of faith believes God exists and also believes that he rewards those who seek him sincerely. And what is, what is then that reward? What is it that God rewards those who seek him? Our text says anyone who wants to come to him is how that begins. But in the, in the Greek translation, that word that, that is used for the word come actually means to draw near. So if we have faith that God is who he says he is, that he exists, and that he is a rewarder, he gives us a gift, and the gift is himself. He rewards him with himself. He rewards us with himself. He rewards us with nearness to himself. I, I love the picture in, in the, the parable of the prodigal son, or actually it's really the, the, the two lost sons, because at two different points these, these sons are lost. They've lost sight of things. and In, in this story, Jesus tells of a younger brother, a younger brother who comes to his father and demands his inheritance. He says, I want what is going to be owed to me when you pass away now, which the father actually grants. And so the younger brother takes this inheritance from the estate and he goes off and he lives his life the way he would want to, the way he, that pleases him at the moment. And he squanders it all and he reaches a low point in his life and low point where he thinks the best thing for him to do is to go back home and become a hired servant. Because even the hired servants that work at his father's house are far better off than he finds himself at that very moment. And so he decides that's what he's going to do. And he practices a speech, one of, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't deserve to be your son anymore. Let me be one of your hired servants. And so he practices this speech and he heads back. But upon his arrival, he's not reprimanded. He's, he's not made a hired servant. He's received as a son By the father. Even more, the father throws a party because his son that was far off is now near him again. And the older brother who stayed with the father all along is not excited about this. You can imagine he's upset. He's why would the father treat a selfish younger brother this way? He's angry, upset. He doesn't even want to be part of this party that's being thrown for the younger brother. But you see, at different points, or different Parts of this story, both of these brothers missed the point. Because it it, it wasn't about the party. It, It wasn't about just the inheritance. It wasn't just even about doing the right thing at the right time always. It was about closeness to the father. As the older brother is upset not wanting to go into the party, the father's response to him is this son, You are always with me and all that is mine is yours. The the gift is the father. The reward is nearness to him. And the great news of the Bible, the great news for you and I, that is by faith in Christ, we become children of God and children always have access to where the father is. They always have access to be where the Father is. And yes, it is impossible to please God without faith, but it is also impossible not to please God when you are faithfully seeking Him. And when we find ourselves, find ourselves here, we are rewarded with that nearness to God. And the God of the universe wants you to know Him as your God and wants to know you to know Him as the rewarders so that you can draw near to him. The reward is closeness to the father. That is the gift of knowing who God is and of believing he is the one who gives gifts. Closeness, nearness to him. All right, you still with me? Cool. Uh, let's look now at the stories of Abel, Enoch, and Noah from our passage. These three men uh, made God central in their lives. They, they drew near to God and are described as people of faith. They occupied, I think, a significant time in history, uh, the time preceding the the giving of the law, the time preceding the covenants, and also during a period of of increasing sin and wickedness in the world. The the world was moving farther and farther away from God, and we'll take a look at the story of Abel first. Hebrews 11, starting in verse 4. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did, Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. The story of Abel and Cain comes out of Genesis 4 and it's familiar yet interesting. Both Cain and Abel bring an offering to God from the work that they have chosen or the work that they were given. Uh, Abel was a keeper of sheep, he was a shepherd, and Cain was a worker of the ground, a farmer. And both of these men brought an offering to God, but it says that God deemed Abel's more acceptable. And we're not told in Genesis in that account, we're also not told here in Hebrews that it was what Abel offered that was more pleasing to God or acceptable to God or that was better than Cain's offering. What we're told is that it was his heart of faith that made his offering more acceptable. Abel made his offering out of faith. And based on the evidence here, we can infer or see that Cain made his perhaps out of, out of expectation or obligation, lacking of faith. He was obedient, but with the wrong posture. And even if you do the right thing, but from the wrong heart, God is not pleased. It is only from a right heart, a heart of faith, that our obedience pleases God. When I was uh, eight years old, I was a Chicago Bulls fan. Why? Because it was the 90s, and that was everybody's team in the 90s, and uh, me and my best friend, we used to play basketball in his backyard, and uh, we always wanted to pretend like we were one of the star players from the Chicago Bulls team, and of course, every kid at that time wanted to be Michael Jordan, And we would pretend even that we were being announced into the backyard, like being announced onto the court. And we always argued who would be Michael Jordan and who would be Scottie Pippen. Who would be the goat and who would be his friend, you know? Like, we always argued over this. I wanted to be the Hispanic Michael Jordan and he would never let me. This was an ongoing argument, but one particular day it got heated and uh, we fought over it. And you know we're eight years old. It wasn't that serious. Mostly like chest bumping. Like I'm, I'm, my chest is bigger than yours. And uh, I remember after you know a few moments of this scuffle, I I left the backyard and stormed off home because I wanted to be Michael Jordan. And a few hours goes by, and I get a knock on my front door, and I go to open it, and it is my friend. He's wearing a Michael Jordan jersey. And uh, he says to me, hey, I wanted to come over and uh, be the bigger man and say I'm sorry. I'm like, well, that doesn't sound like a real apology. Like, (laughs) thanks, I guess. Um, You know, he came, he, 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 he did the right thing in coming over, but his apology didn't seem like it came from the right heart place. Whatever the case, we were eight years old. A few days later, we were back in his backyard playing basketball. Our solution to Michael Jordan's And yes, our team was unbeatable. What is the principle for us? Listen, it is not the content of what we give God that pleases him. It is the content of our heart that pleases him. It is the content of our heart that pleases. Whether you are a keeper of sheep or a worker of the land like Cain and Abel, whether you are a custodian, a tech worker, whether you are a medical professional, a barista, a waitress or waiter, whatever it is, it is the content of our heart. And if it is full of faith, God is pleased by our offering in the same way that he is pleased by Abel's offering from a heart of faith. And in Abel's case, again, he pleased God by his faith. And even though his life is long over and gone, he still left a legacy of faith that we are still talking about today. We too can have such a legacy of faith if we faithfully walk with God, giving him not simply the content of our lives, but the content of our hearts. We can please him and leave a legacy of faith. Enoch is the next person highlighted, and here's what the writer says about him in verse 5. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. Enoch's story is a a rather different one. He is one of uh, two people uh, that never experienced death, the other being Elijah. And I guess for middle school, high school students, sorry, spoiler alert, we're looking at that story this summer. Uh, and Enoch's story is a short one in which we're not actually given a lot of detail about his life. Um, we know that he had a son named Methuselah. We know that he had other children. And uh, it says that he, for 300 years after having Methuselah, he walked with God. And in his story, which is only four verses long in Genesis 5, it, it speaks of him and it notes twice the phrase, Enoch walked with God. He walked with God. That's the biggest detail we have of his life, that he walked with God. And though we don't have many other details about his life, you got to imagine 300 years is a lot of time. I've only lived 30 something and 300 years sounds like crazy. You got to imagine that in that 300 years of time, there was good times and there were bad times And there were times where we were facing unknown. There were times where maybe relational tension. There's all these different times. Yet through everything, all the circumstances he probably had in those 300 years, he chose to walk with God through all of them. We can infer that he was a person who valued fellowship with God. He believed in who God is. Is and that he believed that what a life with him was the most fulfilling thing. His reputation, as highlighted by the the writer of Hebrews, was that he was someone who pleased God, and it was because of his faith that he was taken up to heaven without having to experience death. In a sense, this is a picture of you and I. As we place our faith in Christ, even in death, we have eternal life. Even in death, we have eternal life and an eternal uh, fellowship with God. Noah is is the next and last character that we'll look at this morning. And here are the few details given about him in Hebrews 11, starting in verse 7. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood, he obeyed God who warned him about things that were that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and he is receiving the righteousness that comes by faith. Noah's story is a bit longer of one spanning multiple chapters in the book of Genesis. It is certainly more detailed compared to Abel's and Enoch's and, and certainly and probably even one of the most known stories of the Old Testament, both inside and outside of the church. Everyone knows about Noah and the ark and In his story, I think it really more focuses on an aspect of integrity. Standing firm in what you believe is true, even when those around you disagree or think different or even think you're wrong. In the time of Noah, the people on earth were described as exceedingly wicked. They were exceedingly corrupt. They were exceedingly violent. But Noah was described as a person having God's favor, And a person walking with God. He stood at odds with the world around him because he believed God and he walked with him. He stood at odds with the world simply because he believed God and walked with him. And as is often the case for us. Oftentimes walking with God, having faith in what we cannot see, having faith in eternity with God... It means standing at odds with coworkers. It means standing at odds with friends, with classmates, and even family members. Noah serves as as an example and encouragement to all of us of integrity and faith because even in the face of judgment, the likes of which the world had never seen, he believed God. He believed God. And the same can be true of us. We're not asked, most likely, I'm guessing, to build an ark most of us. But we are told to place our faith in Christ. And as God placed Noah in the ark for his salvation, God places us in Christ for our eternal salvation. So as we finish that brief look at these few stories, what should be our encouragement as we begin I think this journey of looking not only at all the characters here in Hebrews 11, but hearing the stories from the body, what should be our encouragement? Well, the first thing I'd say to this to this is this to listen to their stories. To listen to the stories, to listen to the stories of faith around you, the stories of how people trusted God and how he proved to be faithful in their lives. Turn to the scriptures and see men and women, people just like you and I, living in a fallen world who face decisions, who face failure, who face unknown, who face standing alone, and be encouraged by the faith that they have and by a faithful God who shows up for him. And listen to the stories of faith here at PBC, the stories from our, what, 70-plus year history and the stories of brothers and sisters here right now who maybe are a few steps or a few laps or even a few miles ahead of you in their walk with God as we fellowship, share those stories and as we fellowship, listen to those stories so that we can be mutually encouraged, mutually challenged, and mutually given. Hope because I believe it's not by coincidence that God brings us all together here in this place, each with a unique life and story. God brings us together because together we are more complete. Together the intersections of our faith are made so that we can be encouraged, edified, and our faith can be built together. In my ministry journey that I began sharing at the beginning of, of me talking up here. Uh, I reached that point in my ministry journey where I didn't know what God wanted me to do. I questioned my own calling. I questioned my own gifting. I I, I questioned whether or not I should even continue in ministry. And that is when I met my friend, Matt. Matt. Matt was somebody who was a person of great faith. Matt was somebody who was a lover of the word more than almost anybody else I know. Matt was a person who was an encourager, and he heard my story, and he shared his own story of faith. He shared his own story of seeking to pursue vocational ministry, and as he shared his story, that was exactly what I needed to hear. He encouraged me. He pointed me to the scriptures and he helped me discern my next step. And in 2015, God brought me here. Why? I think because he intersected my faith story with Matt's faith story and led me to apply to PBC. Which brings me to my last encouragement: don't just stop at listening to the stories. Don't just stop at listening to their stories, but build your own story. Take steps of faith in your own life as you are encouraged and inspired by other people's stories of faith. I often tell our high school students, probably more than they want to hear, but they need to be in these years, building their own history with God so that when when or if they ever face a spiritual crisis, when or if they ever experience a failure, when or if they ever experience doubts, they can turn not only to the stories of faith around But they can turn back to their own story of faith and see where God has personally shown them his faithfulness in their lives. As you live your life, choose to live it with God, believing that he is who he says he is, that he rewards those who sincerely seek him by giving of himself. And maybe for some of us, your story begins today. Maybe for some of us, you haven't started this faith journey. You haven't placed your faith. You have not believed in who God says he is. You have not placed your faith in Jesus. I want to point us back to verse six, verse six and it says, anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Listen, the, the requirements to connect with God for the first time are not complicated. They're not hard. You don't need to to fix anything before coming to him. You don't need to fix anything before coming to Jesus. You don't have to look a certain way or sound a certain way. You don't need to be a a certain fan of a certain team. It's, It's simply believing in who he is and seeking him through faith in Christ. Offer him your heart and he will reward you with nearness to himself. And if that is you, please do not leave here without talking to someone. I want to end here with reading a couple of verses from the next chapter of Hebrews because I love how these verses tell us to be encouraged by the stories that precede us and encourages us to build our own story and then points us to Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse one. Therefore, Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, we are surrounded by stories of faith. We are surrounded by stories of faith in the scriptures, people who have placed their faith in God. that was counted to them as righteousness, people who who were seen through difficult times in the scriptures. Stories uh, that precede us us in history, stories here of faith at PBC. Listen to these stories. We're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses And by the encouragement of these stories, build yours by what? Laying aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Anything that hinders you from believing in God, anything that hinders you from walking with him, throw it aside and run the race that so many faithful saints have run before. And keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne. Listen to the stories of faith. Be encouraged by them and use them to build your own. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, who through him we have life eternal. And we have closeness with God. Amen, amen. Well, as fitting, we are going to partake of communion together this morning. If you are at home, go in and, and grab the, the juice or, or apple juice, whatever it is you've got this morning and bread. And for those of you here, you should have gotten one of, uh, one of these on your way in. And uh, partaking of the cup and bread is something that we do as believers uh, in remembrance and recognition of the cost that it took for us to have true connection with God, true relationship with him. That if your story includes faith in Jesus, then it is his, his blood represented by this juice that covers your sin. And that it is his body represented by the, the bread or, or, the, or the wafer that was broken for us. And as we take both in remembrance that, that Jesus gave, gave himself, all of himself up so that we can be close to God, We do this in remembrance of him. I would love to pray for us and invite you to take partake of the elements um, over the next few minutes as the band begins to play. Let us pray. God we, we give you thanks that you are a promise keeper that you are God, you are the author and giver of life you are the one who gives us these stories. You are the one who gives us faith. You are the one who gives us of yourself. You are the one who calls us and draws us near to you. We thank you that through Christ and through the cross that we have full assurance that we have access to you. We have full assurance that we will one day be in eternity with you forever together, praising you. I pray that we would come to your table and partake of these elements with reverence and remembrance and thankfulness in our hearts because you stopped at nothing to pay the cost for our sins so that we can have nearness to you. May you be praised forevermore for it. In Jesus' name, amen.